can you find people that are around you, even if it's only one or two that understand you and that you can get feedback from? And can you figure out exactly what it is that makes you happy? And then when you make that list of the things that you would be willing to do to be happy, there certainly are the things that adults have to do where you have to monetize whatever your skills are, right? That's That unfortunately is true. Um, but there are so many different ways to do it. So keep your mind open. And if we're in the music world, right? So you can do as much music as you want. I've uh, Until I went back to college, all I did was sing. And sometimes I sang for the joy of it. And sometimes I just sang for money. <laughs> so and some and it wasn't always enjoyable um so if it's your skill set if that's the thing so if you go through it and you realize that the two things i do best are um playing guitar and performing guitar and nothing else comes close then the answer is is that you should be playing guitar for a living even if that doesn't feel great artistically that might be the best way for you to succeed because your actual skill set can be utilized listen to the vibes Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Listen to the Vibes. And from a band called was it Days Before Tomorrow, is that what it's called? Yeah. Did I get that right? Yes. Well, I'll tell you what. I may not get the name right, but I do love the music. And the guys from the band is Eric Klein and Scott Kahn. You play the genre that I probably love the most uh, that, that s- sticks... Uh, I guess Kansas kind of sound and I, I don't know what to say, but the album kicks butt. So I highly recommend it. And uh, I want to know more about you guys. So I, Eric, I will start with you. Tell us a little bit about yourself. So um, I was born and raised in the, in, in New Jersey and I was a combination band kid theater kid growing up and from theater i learned that i could sing in a band if i also wanted to and that was the end (laughs) (laughs) since then um, i've been in one way shape or form singing in in rock bands but i've always had a kind of a a love for the theatrics and for telling stories and for melodic and harmonic content as, as a way to portray emotion so kind of that's where my whole approach to singing started and it started young and it's just been developing as is. And if you're asking other questions, like, you know, I'm I've got a teenager, I'm married. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have a nice house. Life is good. Uh, teenager. Yeah. yeah. I've got a grandson that's becoming a teenager. So <laughs> hold your breath. <laughs> I was glad to get those days over with. <laughs> I love it. I, I have to be honest with you. I love it. I love I love this whole age. It's fun having a relationship with another person who is also a songwriter and has a, a mind for art. So we get to 
challenge and push each other about what's good and what's bad and how to approach melody and how to think about rhythms. You know, it's like something that we could actually sit and talk about in the living room. So yeah. I feel like I got really lucky in that regard. Oh yeah. If you got I also something... have to talk about and debate that with is <laughs> <laughs> usually just as fun. <laughs> if you have something like that in common, that there's a bond there that some parents don't get to share. And that's, that's pretty awesome. Yeah. We but, enjoy it. I appreciate that. And you will find out the older that you get, uh, or the older that they get, the smarter you get. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, Scott, don't want to leave you out, man. Tell me about you. Yeah, well, I I mostly grew up in New Jersey, and uh, but I've lived I've lived all around the country, and um, but I was not a I was not a band kid, so so I just I got started in the in the rock and roll space, you know, really the summer going into high school when I you know, really started playing instruments and I just took to a whole bunch of them, you know, and my, you know, when I started out, it was actually, it was new wave music. It was Gary Newman that got me inspired to be a musician. I wanted to be a keyboard player first. Um, mm-hmm. But, but I was one of those weird kids. Cause like when we were growing up, you, um, kids really listened to music and they didn't cross, they didn't over overlap each other in genres. There were the metal heads. Some kids were into new wave. Other kids were into, classic rock and roll rock like the Tom Petty and Bruce Springsteen stuff. And those worlds really never mixed. Like in New Jersey growing up, you were either in the Bruce Springsteen camp or the Bon Jovi camp. They did not mix. (laughs) Um, It's like, it was no. And, and for the record, I was in the Bon Jovi camp by Uh, far. Um, But so I like you anyway. Yeah. Well, (laughs) and I ended up, he and I write songs together and I ended up in the Bruce camp. So how do you know, you know, who yeah. knows what to expect, right? Yeah, but you know that's where I started. But but what got me into progressive rock was really you know in in the early eighties. Um, yes, nine oh nine oh two nine oh one two five came out, mm-hmm. and short and right around the same year, Asia's first record came out, and I just could not get enough of those, and that just had me really hooked. And and then once I discovered Marillion, um, it, it was just all bets were off. I was just so taken by it and by then i was also playing guitar and um and moved in in that realm and and today i mean and if you talk to eric and i and and both of us like our music tastes are all across the map i mean it's just you know we you know we appreciate the good music in whatever genre it is Mm -hmm. Um, but but prog but progressive rock is just sort of when we start writing stuff it just that's where it falls that you know, yeah. no matter how much we love all sorts of other stuff, this is just where we end up, you know, being with our musical output. Yeah. Fingers crossed, but there's a chance that I might get Steve Howe on the show. Nice. So, nice. Yeah. So that would, that would be the ultimate because I mean, yes. And Asia, the bands you just mentioned, like, yeah. What was that band, uh, I think they had one album out. It was GTR. GTR. Yeah. Yes. When the heart rules the mind. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Max Bacon, great singer. That my Marillion story to go with Scott's is that I was listening. Same thing. I was a voracious reader and a voracious listener. I listened to whatever I can get my hands on. Um, if people wanted to make me uh, mixtapes of early hardcore, 
mm-hmm. I was listening to it. If then if people were listening to the Smiths and New Order and and Echo and the Bunnymen and Joy Division earlier, I would have been all over that. And then I had my friends who were just they were guitar aficionados, so they were listening to Dio and they were listening to Purple and they were listening to Rainbow and there was Yes and Rush and it was kind of like this other world. So I was brought to see Rush. The first time I saw Rush with Rory Gallagher at Madison Square Garden. And the next time I got to see Rush, Marillion opened and played the entire Misplaced Childhood album front to back as the opening band. And that's when I knew that if I'm writing music, Uh I think is going to end up where my heart lays when it comes to expression. Well, here's a here's a fun, here's a fun tidbit that I, I don't I've never told anyone in an interview or even the band my bandmates. But I remember the first two songs I learned to play as cover songs were "Round and Round" from Rat and "Run to the Hills" from Iron Maiden. <laughs> Iron and Maiden I drummer, and I was a drummer on both. <laughs> Man, have mercy! <laughs> you're playing Iron Maiden. You must be pretty badass then. Yeah, yeah, that was. That was too long ago, a long, long time ago. <laughs> well, you know, when I was in school, we most of the guys that listened to classic rock were also into heavy metal and all. But you know, secretly, when nobody else was around, I'd sneak in maybe a little Duran Duran or something. Oh well, now you, you just hit one of my top five bands of all time, so I, I, I support that entirely. Wow, and. They're supposed to be coming to Austin. Yeah, the current the new tour is pretty pretty nice. I am I've seen them seen them a few times recently, and I um, have the pleasure of knowing their sex their saxophonist. Ah, so, yeah. All right. I'm sorry, Eric. Did I cut you off? No, I was just going to say the uh, if if you would go to any one of our Spotify or Apple Music accounts right now to see what new releases they suggest for us that that would alone show you why we ended up in progressive rock because i think you can't synthesize all of that uh the music that hits you emotionally um with an open mind and then without having a a music genre that allows for multiple influences by nature (laughs) you know progressive rock is not going to shun you for bringing in different feels different styles different time signatures different types of key signatures even too you know you you will be writing in flat keys where a lot of guitar players don't normally play in flat keys we're doing a lot of stuff that um is just coming from whatever we're listening to so my listening for this week would have been david lang released a new classical piece that's mostly cello based but also the new depeche mode came out (laughs) so right and then the new yes came out right so they're announced the new yes single so all of that is in my instant new release play oh, so it's no kind way. of yeah and you know and something hello by the way if you want to hear any of that yeah and something you know that eric mentioned is is really is really interesting and relates to me as well that is the my co-guitar player in this band derek derek devadovich you know he's 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 the most he's really and he's a berkeley trained guitar player um, oh, so he's like really hardcore. He comes from the world of Steve Lukather and Dan yeah. Huff and 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 Larry Carlton and all, all all those guys. And um, but because I'm I'm equally at home on keyboards, you know, I've you know when I write stuff and when I work with Eric, 
you know, you know, we come up with stuff from keywords. And so we're writing stuff where, you know, you throw it, you, you show it to Derek. It's like, why are you picking these chords and these, these keys? Because it's like, if we, if we had just started as guitarists, you know, we'd be writing in a lot of different places than um, the fact that, you know, I'm a guitar player who also embraces keyboards. So, and I think part of what makes our stuff sound, you know, a little different than other people is that, you know, everything's not in the same, in the same keys and the same tunings as, you know, every other guitar player. Mm-hmm. Well, what I like Where about Prague, what I like about Prague is that sometimes you have that more quieter moments, and then sometimes you want to jam. I mean, look, Rush, perfect example of you know. Sometimes they could mellow out, and then other times they're they're taking off. Triumph, another band that does that. <laughs> I mean, hell, yeah, Kansas yeah. sticks. Yeah. You know, part of, you know, part of why, you know, Derek and I work really well together in this band as two guitar players is that because, again, everyone in this band is a multi-instrumentalist, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Everyone, everyone knows, knows their way around multiple instruments, um, even though they have their, their primary one, their primary role in the band. But I think the fact that, Derek and I were both happy to sit back and not play and just, and still enjoy just being part of the song, um, you know, makes for those dynamics. Like what you just said, you know, it can be light, it can be airy, then it can be heavy and full. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it takes, you know, a certain discipline. Like, you know, there are a lot of metal guys that like, they need to be playing full on all the time. And, and we don't, you know, you know, we like to mix it up. Yeah. I, that's what I enjoyed about what I listened to from you guys is that, that mixture. I was, like, I was listening to it earlier and I, I walked in, my wife says, are you listening to rush? I'm like, no, mm-hmm. it's not rush, but uh, it kind of, kind of got that sound to it. Doesn't it? And then I, I flipped to the next song and it's dang, that sounds almost like it could be a brand new stick song or something, you know? <laughs> nice. Yeah. And, you guys uh, clash heads sometimes, or, or how, does, how does that collaboration go? I'm comedian David Race in Los Angeles. I host a celebrity-filled paranormal talk show like no other. Monstrosity has great guests answering weird questions. You won't believe the combo of celebrities and paranormal experts who've been on this show. I guarantee you'll like Monstrosity, or you get your time back. Go to monstrositypodcast.com right now and take a look. I think that both of us will say the same thing. We know each other so well that it's not that things just don't get heated they we get intense mm-hmm. and we kind of dig our heels in but it's not personal because we know each other too well mm-hmm. so we have the it's i hate to use like i am I, i'm i am a licensed therapist so like i'm using therapy talk on you like i don't it, like we do have space space to carry each other's emotions and sometimes it'll mean that somebody really wants to investigate a direction for a song and will be ultimately disappointed when no one else likes it. 
So we, <laughs> we're able to go down that, those roads and push each other pretty hard about things that are good or not, or, or what we feel is not good or not appropriate or not fitting, not flowing. Um, as an example, I figure that I come with the vast majority of what I want to sing Mm -hmm. already mapped out before I bring it to the band. I've got lyrics written. And then my expectation is that as soon as we start to record that. Um, Scott's going to change it. <laughs> it's, he's going to sit and in my ears be saying, that was cool. Try this. That was cool. Try this. And I'm married to what I'm singing. Mm -hmm. like, I really want to sing what I'm singing. I wrote the song the way I want to sing it. But because we have that trust in a relationship of trying new things, I'll check my ego, even if my temper's up, you know, so if like I'm starting to feel a little heat, like, you know, I'm breaking a sweat because I don't want to change. I trust the relationship musically well enough to know that if I'm getting a suggestion, it's from coming from a good place. It's not a critique and I'm going to try everything. So we'll rearrange backing vocals for two or three days. You know, we'll just whatever it takes to push and it doesn't mean we don't kind of like sniff at each other but mm -hmm. it's not a we've been doing it for too long for it to become you know no one takes it out of the room and once it's over there's jokes made and then we move on <laughs> yeah. would you would you say almost brotherly or because yeah, i yeah. know when i clashed with my brother it was like world war three so <laughs> no it's good in fact if you were to if you were to be in the room when Derek and I are tracking guitars like and we'll we'll give each other direction on where to go with guitar solos with lead guitar parts it's like you know you know I'll, I'll suggest parts you know Derek it'd be really cool if you did this kind of really quick riff here but then hold hold right there you know at the end of the bar you know and, and throw in one of your one of these cool you know things that you that you do that uh, that I know is just sort of a typical Derek thing and and likewise, you know, I'll be working on a part and, and he'll suggest things to me because we all, like Eric said, we know each other so well. And and like we've got very def definite different styles. Like once you get to know know us and know the music, you can really identify, oh, that's, you know, that's a Scott Kahn guitar part. And oh, that's a that's a Derek Devadowich part. Um, and and a lot of times, you know, you can really tell. And so we we know what what each of us are capable of. And so. So while a song's being developed, you know, Eric can hear like, you know, okay, Derek came up with, you know, this really cool riff. And, and then I'm sure Eric's thinking, oh, I know what Scott's going to do there. Um, <laughs> and, you know, and likewise, you know, any one of us might give suggestions to the other. Hey, could you, you know, could you do a little of X, Y, and Z for us? I mean, you know, it's eight, with age comes, you know, sort of maturity and like an acceptance. Like we know, you know, it's not personal when, you know, if one of us tells each other that that we really don't like something and we use much stronger words than that, we also know that it's not personal and we can laugh about it and be like, huh, OK. In fact, on our on our first big record, our breakthrough record, The Sky is Falling, you know, we recorded with, um, you know, the legendary rock producer Ron Nevison. And there, there were a couple of songs where Derek and I were working on, like, the solo section for, for one of the songs. And so basically... Ron was remote at the time. And so basically we would record stuff in my studio and then we would, we would load, we would load the file. Um, we would FTP the file back then. This was before the days of Dropbox on the cloud. And so Ron would download the, the, the file and he would literally say that solo sucks. And like no other feedback, just basically go back, retrack it. And so again. We, sit there, 
we'd work on it for like the next half hour, send him something back and be like, no, that, that blows. No. Um, so he, he didn't necessarily know what he wanted. He just knew that he would know what he likes when he hears it and leave it to, up to us to just give him 20,000 right, things. Right. Which, which goes to Scott's point, which is we have to be able to trust each other to give constructive feedback because we weren't getting it someplace else. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Like we had to cut it down and, and just, and not to belabor it. So for me, like I only write on a keyboard. Mm-hmm. So when I'm playing, so I'm always thinking of really dense cording and, and structures. So we'll put songs together and while the rhythm section is working out where they want to drive something, I'll sit, say, in the keyboard player John's ear or in Derek's ear and be like, okay, so what Scott's playing is this. But what I want you to do is I want you to add the sixth and the 13. And what I want you to do here is I want you to take that out and I want to like put the third back in. Derek doesn't want the third in, but or Scott doesn't want the third in, but put it back in. <laughs> the next thing you know, we end up with these really complicated chords so sometimes when it's really complicated, if you're listening to it, you'll be like, oh, that's Eric's fault. And <laughs> like, like a lot, of, we just all have our thing. And the goal is, is at the end when we're done demoing and we're ready to really record that we've workshopped it and what sticks is the right part. Yeah. So if a part came through a month worth of workshopping a song, and it's still there. That's probably the answer. And at that point, everybody could just let it go. And we're like, okay, we're going to record it. That's what it's going to be. <laughs> you know, because otherwise, we're all going to listen over and over and over. We'll fix and change and fix and change. And then you get that kind of, you know, you know, you get your, your whatever the, the term would be. Like, you're afraid to show it to the world, right? Yeah. So you're writing great songs, but you're not producing anything uh, to share you're constantly in that fear of well what if this isn't good enough or the opposite some people fear what if this is good Mm. (laughs) then what what do i do if somebody actually likes this um what's great is that you leave your ego at the door that's the downfall of so many bands is you got one person that thinks oh i'm much better than this i could go do this on my own i don't need you guys but y'all aren't doing that and you're making it work I think Scott would say, well was probably going to say this too, but one of the when we got the band back together, we took a very old school approach to uh, reformation. So a lot of bands, even before COVID, but during COVID, got very comfortable in a virtual space mm-hmm. where composition was done in a virtual space, and it's brilliant because you've got the technology and the ability you can write consistently with people all over the world. So we decided just for the fun of it to try to buck the trend and see what would happen if we got together where everyone had song ideas, but um, instead of only having those ideas passed back and forth via the internet, that we would get into the studio and pack them out together as much as we could to gain chemistry and develop trust. Yeah. So... I'm hoping that as so these five that you've heard for this EP are done and then the next group of songs I'm hoping shows the same approach and that you listen to that like a couple months from now, you get some new music from us and you go, yeah, you guys are still doing it. Like, that's our goal. You know, it's still like we're collaborating and we're really all bringing our influences to the table. Yeah. There's that whole COVID thing 
I think people got so comfortable with being separated. Uh, I mean, for me, I I have to I have to be around people. I you know, if I go to the grocery store, I know the the, the thing, especially at Walmart, they got those self checkout lines. I'd rather spend the extra ten minutes in line with the cashier just to to have somebody different to talk to and try to make them smile or laugh. So you know. <laughs> Yeah. And I think that's one of our problems now. Why people seem so distant from each other is we got a little too used to it. I don't like that. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. yeah. So that's what we're trying to do because we live, our keyboard player lives a good hour and 20 minutes from rehearsal. I live a good hour and 20 minutes from rehearsal. Um, so it's, there's a commitment to that process. And it is hard because sometimes you've had a full day on a Thursday or a Friday or a Tuesday, whatever day is we're going to be getting together. Um, and for me doing therapy, so I might've talked to some people who are really having it way, way, way worse than I have it. Um, and then my kid comes home or my wife comes home and I won't, the dog's on my lap. <laughs> um, and then you you do fall into that pattern of well I have what I need in my house, mm -hmm. and for um for great for great musicians, virtual recording has been an explosion. There are great albums coming out from bands that would have never been bands because of being able to cross the digital divide. But yeah. we're just trying to do it a little differently as a response. Um, we've all been isolated, and now we're just trying to get together and feel what it's like to have the experience of being in a band again. And so that way, if we get lucky and we end up playing a whole bunch of live shows, we're not a, we're not strangers. We don't need to go book a rehearsal room for three months to finally learn what it feels like for the songs to sound like uh, band songs rather than recording projects. Hopefully, yeah. where you know the songs are being developed as a band element, so they just translate right to live. And I think that gives our music just sort of the classic underlying feel that it does um because when when you're when you're just shipping files back and forth um there's a little there's a little less flexibility um, when it comes to arranging the songs mm. um you know because someone you know an idea starts out and someone sends the, the core of the song around to the other guys and then they add their parts and as soon as you start doing that it becomes very hard to change parts and to move things around and to say, well, you know what? It'd be cool if halfway through the verse, you switch to a different chord here because, well, now the bass player has to redo his parts and keyboard player has to redo his and the guitar, like everyone has to change things. And so I think you get a lot of stuff that, you get a lot of stuff that is really, many of the parts are just sort of the first pass at it because it's because it's still a challenge to go back and change it. But like Eric said, you know, we're in the room working the songs together. So by the time we commit ourselves to the real recording, you know, we've already got the core parts, you know, we know are sticking. You know, we know how the core, all the cool chords and the weird notes and the thirds and fifths and thirteenths and whatever Eric has thrown in there. Like, <laughs> we know what is sticking and we know what's the right stuff. And um, and so what's going to surprise band members as the tracks emerge and develop is like, oh, check out this cool extra stuff that Scott and Derek 
threw in. Check out these really neat sounds that John found, you know, came up with while working on his keyboards. Um, and and then, of course, once we get to the vocals, it's like, oh, well, you know, now I listen to all these other harmonies and ideas that that came out of, you know, Scott, Eric and Derek, you know, sitting in the room you know, for hours just dissecting, you know, the vocal parts. And um, so really, you know, being in the room does generate a different kind of output. Um, you know, whenever I edit my videos, and I know this is a lot different from what y'all are talking about, but say uh, I've, I've done this long edit and my wife will say, oh, you know, you should have done this instead. And I'll go back and I'll have to go through all this work to fix it. Or the person that I was doing the video for doesn't like it and wants to try something different. After a while, you just like, you know what, I'm, I'm just i'm tired of doing this this is good enough you know yeah and i just only imagine with i mean the multiple instruments and vocals and all that y'all are changing i'm i'm just doing all this with this the same friggin video just different clips out of it i couldn't imagine doing it the way, way y'all do it and uh, have well, to do it that way very much the same <laughs> yeah <laughs> i it's give <laughs> right um so you're a therapist funny thing is the <laughs> last interview i did uh, the guy is a, a keyboard player and he's a therapist as well so that just means that we're uh, using music as as self-care and or um we're probably deluded <laughs> 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 the the mentally deranged right. helping it's the mentally deranged. The I'm not really sure yet. And uh being that I'm also a humanist, I believe in my own pathway being the one that is. So <laughs> I'm just gonna accept it and hope that you accept what you know my lived experiences for what it is. It's my truth, man. So if it's delusion, cool. If it's self-care, then even better. But I think it's a combination of uh a combination of all of it. It does I find that two fields that correlate way more often are math or IT, mm -hmm. who are doing technical things that that require exceptional detail because people who are really good at that see the beauty and the creativity inside of code inside of mathematics, inside of numbers, the things that seem vanilla or boring or generic to somebody else, somebody who's really a musician at the same time, sees the joy in that and the fun of it. So that person who's coding becomes a video game coder. The person who's doing math is is enjoying, if they're teaching math to eighth graders, mm -hmm. they're enjoying the, the fun of playing with the numbers, playing with the process, presenting it in a way that is digestible and fun because those two worlds actually mix really well. And then the other is my side, which is, you know, the, the touchy feely side. You get people who are always expressing themselves with words and music. So um, you have a high empathy quotient and you feel like if I get this joy of being able to express myself in music, then maybe I can help somebody else. Oh. Right. You know, you don't know if you're going to be good at it, but you want to, it's just part yeah. of it. It's part of what you want to do. Oh, yeah, of course. Well, one of the reasons why I, I started this channel was I was hoping to bring some inspiration to others. Uh, 
maybe bring a little positivity into their life. Uh, I won't get into detail about myself, but you know, I've, I've had a lot of health issues, both physically and mentally. And I've tried to use my experiences, the, the, the things that I've done to, uh, to help me hopefully help others. I bring life coaches on, I bring actors, musicians, and, you know, all kinds of different folks so that they might be able to get through to someone out there to, whether it's to help them get through another day or to help them to go after their dreams, you know? Um, and so many of us that have that desire to help others, usually we've gone through something in our lives. Um, is that the same case with you? Hey, bar and grill fans. It's Jim with Madhouse Bar Talk where me and my co-host sit around and talk about the things going on around Madhouse Bar and Grill in Elyria, Ohio. The whole conversation is unscripted, uncensored, and unedited. Anywhere where you stream podcasts, just remember, Madhouse Bar Talks, baby! Oh, yeah. I mean, it would be a separate podcast if I gave you some of the... <laughs> the experiences that I've been through, um, family catastrophes, near-death experiences, cars lighting on fire. Um, Your time in a Turkish the, prison? Yeah, yeah, that one I, I'm leaving out. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and, and I, I do, you'll read in the lyrics, it's pretty obvious, but I'm also sober. So there's also that part of my journey. Um, but yeah, I think there is a certain amount of uh humility and living through experiences that other people may not have lived through mm-hmm. that make you feel like you should be giving back because otherwise you've been given this opportunity and this time that other people may not have been lucky enough to get through. Mm-hmm. So if you have that time, then being productive with that time for other people, not just for yourself would is, uh, is super important. I, I, uh, I'm definitely with you on being sober. <laughs> after years of being an alcoholic i mean i started drinking when i was 12 and it i didn't stop i mean really stopped till gosh what has it been about 10 years ago and i'm at uh, 11 years good for you yeah, yeah congratulations it's funny what's funny now is that um it used to be so rock and roll to talk about whether or not you're gonna like live crash and burn <laughs> and now so many musicians and actors and artists and whatever are are just common like it's a common experience to say oh and then my life became unmanageable and now i'm sober and Mm -hmm. people say it out loud whereas before it was either you said it for shock value because it was something you were supposed to do you were supposed to live hard or because you thought it would make somebody uncomfortable like that you know people who are uncomfortable with their mental health saying that they had a mental illness just to push you into discomfort Whereas now I feel like we're just much more comfortable about talking about uh, mental health. If you go to TikTok with your teenager, they know more about mental health, about diagnoses, about interventions, about where to find help, uh, with whom to speak than Mm. we ever had. So again, it's like living out loud. So I appreciate that you're saying it out loud because it's one of those things I never hide it because 
it's no big deal to me. It's a big deal and to me personally, but that part of it's someone else's business. But it's no yeah. big deal to be labeled as sober to other people. I'm like, well, that's just a fact. I'm also a vegetarian. Like, you know, whatever. <laughs> you know, uh, the, this interview's you know, over now. <laughs> right, I know. I was gonna say I'm I'm I'm, I'm barking up the wrong tree. But you understand <laughs> what I mean? It's not as important to me whether or not other people are what I am. Yeah. I'm not looking to join a club. I'm just throwing it out there just in case somebody hears that and says oh you know i'm friends with scott and scott's singer happens to be sober and my cousin is going to die and i don't know who to talk to so i'm gonna call scott and see if scott will get me in touch with eric and see if eric will talk to my friend's cousin <laughs> right you don't know who you're going to influence so you live it out loud and you hope that you're you're making a difference so some of it comes out in the lyrics um and Scott and I do sometimes collaborate on lyrics and it's the same thing. We, we come from a place of, we look at the world, like the awe in the world and make yeah. big statements and then try to write around them. Um, and then you let the person that's reading it, interpret it. I've had multiple people ask me um, if we have, uh, and again, we're not going to go down this road, but I get, asked often if we're we have a religious bend to some of our music because there is uh there's this thing where especially on the sky is falling which was a concept album in the end there's this this thing i know you're gonna get shocked here ready at the end of it there's hope <gasps> wow <laughs> there's optimism. so they read optimism as religiosity uh-huh you see what i mean like so we're I, to me, that means like, well, if I brought somebody a feeling of spirituality out of a message of positive, of, of, of a positive outcome, I think we're doing our job, right? <laughs> like, however they interpreted it, if it gave them some comfort or some happiness. Cool. Yeah. yeah oh, and I'll... oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Scott. No, no, no. Go ahead. Uh, uh, real brief, because I don't want to make this about me, but, you know, I had partied for... <laughs> I, I just I partied for so many years and then I ended up getting saved and started going to church and I even preached. I preached for five years and then I ended up getting away from God and started drinking and doing the drugs again. By the time I was 36, I had a heart attack and I lost my family and it was a, a quite the road to get my family back and even though I have a relationship with my kids, I can still see that strain that, you know, because of what I put them through. And I, I, I interviewed JJ French. Okay. Mm -hmm. And JJ was telling me how they were a sober band, but they couldn't tell the audience that they were sober because they were afraid it was going to ruin their reputation because they didn't drink yeah, any yeah. drugs. Well, look, how about and the classic example, you know, David Lee Roth, Van Halen, the bottle of Jack Daniels on stage was usually a bottle of iced tea, um, <laughs> you know, masquerading as Jack Daniels. I mean, and look, I mean, he grew up, you know, and he grew up the son of a doctor. I mean, he, you know, he, he knew, he knew a little bit about, about caring for himself. I mean, hell, after Van Halen, he even became an EMT in New York City. I know. I mean, you know, and you know, going back to part of the conversation just before with Eric, it was like when we were, when all of us, when we were growing up, it was like, you know, you had, to, I had to convince people. It's like, you know, just because I'm not abusing 
drugs doesn't mean I can't rock just as hard as you. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember like, you know, when I was younger, it's like, what do you mean you listen to Pink Floyd and you don't get stoned? Well, it's like, yeah, I just freaking love the music. You know, I mean, it's like, I don't need to get stoned to be enjoying this. And I don't need to be, you know, you know, just trashing everything around me in order to, you know, to play high gain, you know, metal stuff. Um, you know, I didn't need that. And, and, you know, and, you know, today, like, you know, if we should be fortunate enough to, to be on a, on a tour, you know, it would be, it would be laughably embarrassing. It's like, look at the food they have, you know, these guys have the healthiest diet on tour. It's like, it's like, wow, you know, there's, you know, these guys are actually caring about, about life and what they're putting into their bodies and, and stuff. So yeah, in the times, everything has just evolved just so much from where we, where we all grew up. And I think bringing it to the band conversation, because we are doing, talking about the band, like if you want to, um, if you want to do a deep dive into uh, the messaging when it comes around mental health, so those song "Killing Myself" on the EP, yeah, is that that is all that was all real, like every word written, and uh, the little monologue that goes on in the lead section, like that was my lived experience. Really, and um it does come back people will listen to it and then ask me and that's where i think it becomes important because you're trying to if you're trying to inspire people and then without getting too serious take it the opposite way the other part is that i also have friends who say that i get up in the morning on my peloton and i put on has time moved on i put on last song from the sky is falling i put on lighters uh, when I want to pace it, pace it down a little bit, and then you know, and like, and you're not the one, which is like track thirteen. I like, I love that song, and like, I'm gonna put that on. And those are like four of my workout songs. So it, it's also just inspiring people to be in a good mood and maybe get their heart rate up and do something that gets their day started or gets them out of their work day where they go and they like go for a run and we're part of that. So it it doesn't only have to be the intense level of. Uh, helping people through a feeling of do should I even live yeah. is life living there is messaging around that where we're we definitely touch on it and I think it out of context the song killing myself would not be an optimistic one to listen to without the rest of them um but there's also the other side of it which is just that we're a rock band and hopefully people listen to it just because they love the harmonies and the melodies and they're like this is a lot of fun like this yeah. feels like something that I, I used to listen to, but it's a new version of it. It's something a little bit more modern and I can get behind it just for that alone. And some people don't, I mean, right. Like you, you, I'm sure you've got a million friends who you listen to music with. that They don't care about the lyrics. Yes, some they just folks don't. don't. Like, like do, does the hook do something to me? Do I like the beat? Like is the riff killing do I like the guitar tone? Is the drummer blowing my mind with polyrhythms? Oh, there's a singer. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it doesn't, it doesn't matter because music is like we're all hoping that you know, people should be as omnivorous with their music as possible. Whatever makes you happy. I just want to be able to play air guitar to it. So, right, I love that. <laughs> I do too. I wish. I could play more <laughs> you know the air guitar parts to our songs are a little more technical see so you really have to work at it a little oh bit. i've gotten really good at it over the years <laughs> so nobody plays air guitar like me 
I'm the best. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I stick to air drum. <laughs> I, I can still do Phil Collins. Do 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 do. No, um, Scott, is there been anything in your life that you've had to overcome, uh, whether it's musically or just personally? Oh, yeah. Well, when I was younger, people broke into my house and tried to stop them and I got knifed. Um, and then as a result of that, I had to miss the Adam and the, the Adam and Friends Were Foe concert that was coming through. That was back in the when he was touring behind Goody Two Shoes. And my, my friend and his uncle went to the show and they brought me back a tour shirt, which was cool because I was on crutches at that point. Oh, um, but yeah, I dealt with Adam. You know, I've had all sorts of crazy shit happen to me. Like um, when I was younger, I was on the volunteer ambulance rescue squad um, for my town. Um, when I was, and when I was young, I was a cadet on, on the squad and I, and we had a patient in, in the back of the ambulance who freaked out, pulled a knife, threatened to kill anyone who moved for the door. And I was trapped in the back of an ambulance with him during a showdown in a hospital emergency room parking lot. Oh. Um, you know, crazy stuff happening in the middle of what is otherwise really nice, you know, upper middle class suburbia. <laughs> um, you know, you just, you never know when and where just the craziest stuff happens. So but definitely learning to, you know, I got to learn at an early age that you just don't know what's going to happen. Um, and just, you, you just have to know how to roll with it and, and accept what's happened and, you know, process it and move on from it. Um, yeah. So I guess it's not a good idea for, for me to show you my knife collection. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> my, my son is obsessed with knives. So, so it, uh, it wouldn't phase me. You know? well, there, there's just so many folks out there that are a little reluctant to chase after their dreams. And uh, I don't know. You never know what's holding them back. Uh, Scott, well, you know, what, what kind of advice would you give them? Well, well, you know, the advice, you know, that I definitely give to younger musicians is if you're trying to make a career out of music, well, you have to sort of know what is it you want to, what is it you love about music that, that makes you want to do it? You know, there are guys that play in cover bands or in wedding bands, um, and they can make a career out of getting paid to play other people's music. For me, I never cared at all about covers. Um, my first band in high school was the only time I was ever in a cover band. For me, creating music is how I express myself emotionally through musical art. And I aspire to be commercially successful with what I produce musically. But if that never, ever happened for me, and it hasn't, you know, you know I'm not a big famous rock star yet. Um, you know, if it never happens for me, nothing is going to stop me from continuing to create my art because this is how I express myself. And so for someone at the younger end of it, you know, you know, 18 years old, trying to figure out what am I going to do with my life? Well, if you're pursuing the music for, for art's sake, um, make sure you have some other way, other plan for supporting yourself. Um, you know, you know, I've, I've had another career, you know, that, that allowed me to pay the bills, allowed me to buy all of the great music toys that I want. Um, I didn't have to go the starving artist route. Um, but, you know, but right now it's, it's much harder to make a to make a financial a financially successful living you know in the journey of music um when you're when you're creating when you're creating original music 
You know, I mean, there are, you know, tens of thousands of people putting out new records, you know, every month because, you know, it's so easy to record for yourself. So, so getting heard above that noise and getting to the, the level where you're playing, you know, 10,000 seats a night, you know, that does not happen for most people. That happens for less than, you know, less than 1% of them. So, you know, just ha have a plan. Like, you know, now if it, if it happens to be that you just love playing all music and other people's music, well, then there are more definitive paths that you can actually get paid for playing, you know, for playing music. Um, you know, and you, you can make a, a, a great living, you know, doing, doing that. It's really about, you know, you have to ask yourself, what do I want to do with my music? Um, what do I have time in my life for? Like, do I have time to be in a wedding band and also write original music? Or do I, if I just care about my art? Okay, well then what other job can I do so that I can afford to make my art? And then if you're lucky, you get to quit the day job because the art becomes, you know, a big success. But, you know, just, just don't have all of your eggs in that one basket um, because these days, you know, it's never it's never been so hard to monetize making music because you don't make money selling records anymore. Um, sure. You know, when we grew up, when we were growing up, the funny thing was con was concerts drove album sales. Record labels spent money to put bands on tour because there was a direct correlation that if a band came to a town and played a concert the next week, there would be a massive elevation in sales of records because the one big fan of the band brought their two or three other friends to the concert and those friends were blown away. And then they went out and bought the records and records were where people made money. But today the model is completely flipped. Everyone expects their music for free or for $10 a month streaming everything. So now the record you put out is really, the marketing tool that gets people to want to come see your concert where you can make some money from ticket sales and merchandise. Um, but you don't make a lot of money from the, the selling of records, which is what you used to do. So it's just a whole different, whole different beast. And so you just have to be aware of that and realize you can't just assume you're going to be the next big rock star and make millions of dollars from your music. So just, just be, you know, approach it with that open mindset that, you know, yes, I'm going to pursue my art, but I also need to put food on the table and buy my toys. Amen to that. All right, Eric, your turn. So what advice would I give to somebody who wanted to be in a band? Is that but the general? Does, it doesn't necessarily have to even be in a band just to pursue their dreams in general. So, yeah, I, I feel like the the goal to me is can you find people that are around you even if it's only one or two that understand you and that you can get feedback from and can you figure out exactly what it is that makes you happy and then when you make that list of the things that you would be willing to do to be happy there certainly are the things that adults have to do where you have to monetize whatever your skills are, right? That's That unfortunately is true. Um, but there are so many different ways to do it. So keep your mind open. And if we're in the music world, right? So 
you can do as much music as you want. I've uh, until I went back to college, all I did was sing. And sometimes I sang for the joy of it, and sometimes I just sang for money. <laughs> so and some and it wasn't always enjoyable. Um, so if it's your skill set, if that's the thing, so if you go through it and you realize that the two things I do best are um, playing guitar and performing guitar and nothing else comes close, then the answer is, is that you should be playing guitar for a living. Even if that doesn't feel great artistically, that might be the best way for you to succeed because your actual skill set can be utilized. Um, if you have other things that can make you happy, go for them. The other thing I would say is, is to, and we're all awful at this, but to learn to give yourself a break when you don't meet creative goals at the pace at which you expect. So how do you deal with frustration and um, how to take the word failure out of that discussion? So, so many times we're constantly describing things in, as pass fail mm. or success or fail. Um, if you are doing what is making you happy, it doesn't have to just be one thing. It could be multiple things that make you happy. I mean, I'm a therapist, I'm in school, I'm a parent and I'm a singer. And I like all of those things. And as long as I'm committed to doing them in, in an honest and, and forthright way, I'll do my best. And if I have a bad day at one of them, I don't say to myself, I failed. Like You can't say I failed as a parent, for example. That's a defeatist approach. And then it'll make it harder for you to go back to the table. Kyle, using you as an example, you are redeveloping your relationship through hard times with children because you're accepting whether you're hearing it that way or not you're accepting the fact that you didn't fail that you just had a bad couple of years and that still success and a, an ultimate version of what you feel is going to be your relationship is in the future and if you're going at it you can get there but if you put the word failure in that's a lot to compete with right okay. like how do you compete with the idea that i did this today or i did this in the past and because I did that, I failed. It's a very hard place to be. So again, I think that that's the key is finding the things that make you happy and finding people that help and support that. And if you need to, then learn how to monetize what you've got. And sometimes those things are just not great. You know, um, there's also no shame in, in doing things that other people think are below your intellect. You know, we do that. To, we do that to young people right now. Um, I am a massive component of going to college. Don't get me wrong. Um, but when I advise students at colleges, sometimes I tell them, you know what it sounds like to me? It sounds like to me that you can get a job locally here that will pay you 20 to $25 an hour, which is still not enough. You deserve more. But it'll help you get a little bit out of debt, figure out what you want to do with your life, where you want to live and who, with whom you want to hang out. And you're only 20. <laughs> so do that for a couple of years. Take a gap double year. Do something else. Um, figuring out who you are is really hard. Yeah. And unlike our lives, because we're older, we didn't have this massive influence of social media telling us what a good life is. Right. A good job is X. A good salary is X. We have so much information uh, given to our teenagers. So they're already prejudging themselves before they go down a roll. Uh, 
and then they defined what failure is. Right. So the best lawyer in the world could work pro bono and to many lawyers, they're a bad lawyer. Why? Because they're not rich. Right. Yeah. We're breaking that mold, hopefully, in the 21st century where doing good things is just doing good things. And if you're lucky, they also combine with six and seven figure income because money it, it's the root of all evil and also fun. <laughs> you know, it's the love of money. Right. The love That's, of money is evil, right? Having money is innately, innately a bad <laughs> thing. Um, and what you do with it is up to you, right? That's right. Yeah. So I, I think that that's the thing is like, we, we're always talking about those big words, regret and failure. And um, it, there's so much pressure. I want to live my life and not regret it. Oh my God, that is so much pressure. You have to wake up in the morning and, and feel like today, everything I do, I want to make sure I don't regret. You'd have to be a perfect human being. Yeah. <laughs> that would mean if Good you want to that. the molecular level, that would mean, oh, my God, that person cut me off in the car. And in my mind, I flipped them off. I'm a bad person. I failed today. You see what I mean? Like, it's a slippery slope yeah. if you're going to regret every single thought that comes into your head. So it's having that little extra bit of leeway to to be happy and sometimes ex expect that that's enough. Like today was a good day. It was sunny. I went for a walk. I forgot to do my homework, but it was cool. I'll wake up tomorrow and do something else, you know, start over. Right. I that's think right. that's the advice. You know, the, the thing about parenting is it's, it's always going to be a learning thing. Oh, absolutely. It's because well, number one, you've never been this age and had a child this age before. You know what I mean? And mm -hmm. tomorrow, you have never been the age you're going to be tomorrow and have the, the child that age tomorrow and so on and so forth. And personalities and all, there's all kinds of things to factor. There is no perfect, you know, book on parenting because parents and children are just always going to be different. But I'm going to get off that soapbox. Um, <laughs> Guys, I, I know that you all got things to do, but bef before we end this, um, do you have a website? Yes, daysbeforetomorrow.com. Okay. Um, okay. So that's that's the starting point that will point you to all of the places you can find everything. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. Um, TikTok. You know, every, every place you would find you know, a new band today. Just go look for days before tomorrow. There's right. Justice. We're on Spotify. We're on Apple Music. We're on Amazon. We're we're not on Tidal. We're on Deezer. We're on a another 10 others. So we're streaming everywhere. Um, we have a Bandcamp page. If you feel like donating when you listen to our music, you can buy the EP on Bandcamp, which is same thing, daysbeforetomorrow.bandcamp.com. Um, but all those things are linked up on the website. Um so you could search for us in Google and it should all pop up for you. So when we're going to find out when you're going uh, touring. Well, I was going to say, uh, we now know this person in Texas and they're going to rep us into South by Southwest. So how you're oh. on it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm on it. You just missed South by Southwest. Yes, I on it. Well, we <laughs> always next year. There's always uh, next year. I, we're, we're at the beginning stages of, 
of figuring out what we want our business plan to be. Mm -hmm. And there are too many iterations. So I feel like over the next couple months while we're recording, we're going to get a better grasp on what we feel the right choice is. Yeah. And you'll see us doing some shows in the New York metropolitan area. Um, you know, we're, we're definitely going to get, get that going, get, get the, um, get the, get the live machine working again. Um, right. know, but we're local to New York. So if we're going to play, you'll see in the New York, New Jersey area first. Um, and from there, it'll probably be closer to me, maybe in Philadelphia, maybe in uh, the Lehigh Valley of Philadelphia, of Pennsylvania, maybe in the Poconos or in Northeast Pennsylvania. Yeah. Um, there are music scenes all over. So it's just a question of finding the right venues and the right lineups I, I, and I'm sure Scott would have said this, but you know, a lot of what we're looking to do is to put together shows with like artists. Mm -hmm. So that way um, we're supporting each other and each other's musical pathway, right? So if you're on a bill with a band that's a little prog metal and then you're on, and then you've got us and then you've got a band that's say more commercial, but has kind of a, a cool classic rock sound to them, that would be a great bill for us to put together. It doesn't necessarily have to be all straight up prog, mm -hmm. but just things where the 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 potential fan bases can be exposed to other bands that they would like. So the event has value. Instead of I saw my friend's band <laughs> or I saw this band that I listened to on Spotify, I saw this band, this band, and this band. I feel like is a really cool thing. And without dragging that out, I like I I just saw Jessica Hoop. Um at Le Poussin Rouge in New York. And um, I also last year went with my kid to see 21 Pilots. So really big, really small venue. One of the things that both of them did that I thought was brilliant was that they both had two opening acts. The opening acts played in the middle of the set, a show, parts of the show with them. Like they brought the other artists onto the stage and actually played a song or two as uh -huh. a collective, which is so old school, right? But it's, uh, I think it allows well, us then. Wait, though. Wait a minute, Eric, though. We don't have to only like the one band. Look, we actually like each other. <laughs> you know, I don't know if, I don't know if we can call that old school because could you imagine if Rush had gotten on stage in the middle of a Kiss concert? To jam yeah, that, would have, guys. Yeah, that would have been a little weird. Um, you know that you know that history, right? Yes. Of course, that um, Rush Rush actually opened for Kiss. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, <clears throat> it's just unimaginable. <laughs> but, you know, and I think that's the thing, though, is that uh, I'm just saying that the the point of those shows is that that's uh, we would like to create that kind of a collective around local shows, so that way um, it is a, a shared creative experience, not just uh, you know if we get lucky and we're playing ten thousand CP places then all for it you know maybe if we'll get big enough we'll be able to also bring that energy to that but until then we're going to try to look to create events that people feel like they're getting some kind of artistic value out of and try to build more value into the show musically as you know as each one comes and you know i can better believe rush opening up for kiss um because Jimi Hendrix opened up for the monkeys. So yeah, mm, true. <laughs> <laughs>
But uh, you know, let me give old Tommy Shaw a call and see if I can get y'all hooked up. That'd be that a match be, made in heaven. Like us opening would, for sticks would be the perfect. The perfect that would be like a dream come true. To be honest with you, like there, if I had to go through my list of bands I want to play with, yeah, yeah. they're top, and it's and you can hear it in the music. It'd be just. It'd you be can also hear the the one thing I love without you know talk about soapboxes, but like a lot of bands still write. The last Sticks album stands up with any Sticks album. It's actually cra- the the crash as of good the as it's my favorite. Any, yeah, it's one it, of my it's, favorites. It's, it's actually my favorite Sticks record. Unbelievably, so good, so oh, good. The performances are amazing. The singing is amazing. The production sounds great. The songs are hooky. I mean, it is just like everything you would ever want out of a Sticks album. So. If uh, if I could play a show and open for sticks, that would be that would be a lot of fun. And I think we'd be a good match, which is very arrogant to say for a band that's not on the level of sticks to say we should be playing with sticks. Anyway, so taking the arrogance out of that comment, I, it that would be a, a, a great match for us. What I've heard, I don't see why you're not. Well, thank you. Well, in my family, they would say from your mouth to God's ears. I was just going to say that. <laughs> Great minds think alike. See? There you go. Well, I can say I've probably seen Sticks more than I've seen any other band in my life. And they they put on a hell of a show. I saw them one time with Night Ranger. Mm. And I kid you not. Um, oh, uh, what's his name? Jack Blades came out and played with Tommy Shaw and they did some damn Yankee stuff. And I think yeah. they, what was the name of that uh, album? They had uh, Shaw blades. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Um, and number one favorite stick song of all time is crystal ball for me. What's, what's nice. your Scott? My gosh, my favorite. Hmm. Honestly, reverie um, okay then on the new record i can't get enough of that song um it's it's just yeah reveries excuse me um it just can it embodies everything about sticks but it's also got it. it starts with a beatles vibe and it turns into this progressive rock thing and yeah, for me, that's just that. That's it for me. I mean, I, I've loved them my whole life, but, but yeah. like I said, like I can't believe that their newest record, you know, forty years into their career, is like, is like, wow, this is actually my favorite. It's like they keep getting better. <laughs> and, uh, well, I right, now I'll refer to uh, Doctor Klein over here. Uh, not Doctor yet, but um, <laughs> give me a dream year. big. I, I'm I'm working on it. Um, the the favorite song depends on my mood. I'm more of an album based Sticks fan, so if I'm gonna listen to Sticks, it's usually like, all right, well today I'm gonna listen to Paradise Theater. Mm. Today I'm gonna go and I'm gonna put on Cornerstone, and like even though you know some of the songs aren't my favorite, but I I get into moods to to go down that. If I had to absolutely pick my two standards are really stereotypical like uh fooling yourself is one and boat on the river uh, is 
I just I I I could tell you a quick story. So I went to see Sticks at Radio City Music Hall, and we were very very young. And my stepfather was a trooper. Took us, and uh, it was loud. <laughs> so um, we're in the middle of that show, and it was the Kilroy was here tour. So oh, yeah. I saw like you know, so it was like they did the whole Kilroy thing, and then all of a sudden they would do a flashback and then play a sticks concert, <laughs> you know? And then all of a sudden they'd go back to the, you know, it was like, it was like a stage show. Um, but when they did the breakdown and Tommy Shaw came out by himself and played boat on the river, my stepfather was moved, like, like literally watched him get emotional. Oh, wow. Because the music itself felt like music that was familiarly like in our modes the the types of my minor key chords and the way the instrumentation was um that kind of mediterranean and and kind of eastern european feel to some of the chord structure and to the the playing really touched him and i think that's why that song means so much to me because it crossed it made that concert experience from oh my god i can't wait to go home to you know what eric has good taste in music <laughs> i Music, he, I want him over. Music brings people together, man. It really does, fellas. I know y'all got stuff to do, but I can't thank you for you spending time with me today. And uh, I, I know time is precious. And this to, was great. Uh, it was great. We had a, I had a great time. Yeah, love talking you. with you. Well, promise me when the next album comes out, you let me know. I'd love you to come on and talk about it. You bet. Sounds you good. You got that for sure. Well, I will be sharing all the links to in the description so folks can find it real easy. And until the next one, everyone, please take care. Be kind to one another. God bless and peace. Mm -hmm.